So I want to start our time together today with um, a question for you to set up a little bit of the scene of what we're going to talk about today as we continue our sermon series uh, going through the Gospel of Luke called A King for All. What I want to ask you is this. What would you do if someone you greatly, greatly admire called you up and asked you for a favor? Just think of that for a quick moment. What would you do if someone that you greatly, greatly admire, maybe for you that might be a business leader, a, a political leader, a religious leader, maybe that might be someone from history, um, you know, a, a mentor, a, a, a small group leader, a youth leader, whoever that is for you. But if this is a person that you greatly admire, you admire their work, you admire their character, you admire their accomplishments, whatever that is for you. And they need a favor from you. They need you to help them out. How, what would you do? We were actually just talking about that in my life group this past week. Uh, I'm currently working on kind of a leadership development guide. And my life group has become kind of the experiment of putting people through this uh, research and this curriculum that I'm putting together to help people grow in their leadership. And I talked about this with them last week and because this question has really been wrestling with me in my own life and the example that I use out of my own life just kind of because I'm a geek and because I you know love you know kind of Star Wars nerdy kind of things I, I kind of put the question like this well what if George Lucas the creator of Star Wars called me up and her, and he basically calls me on the phone he says Kevin I've heard about how much you love Star Wars, and I've heard about your creativity, and I've heard about your imagination. I'd like you to write the next novel. Yeah, I'm not going to give you a movie because that's just crazy. You know, let's keep the, you know, let's keep it all realistic, the favors that we're being asked of. But, but he wants me to write the next book. What would I do? Well, you could be sure of it. The answer would be yes, I'd love to do it. And I'd get the parameters, I'd get the deadlines, and then I'd hang up the phone. And then I would suddenly go into panic mode because um, I'm not a writer. Uh, writing is something that's very difficult for me. It doesn't come naturally. It takes a lot of work for me to write just a little bit of, a little bit of information. I would much rather do a quick five-minute video, kind of make it up as I go off the cuff, than have to sit down and write three paragraphs of information. It takes forever for me, right? But because someone I greatly admired asked me to write this book, well, you you would be sure I would study, I would learn, I would take some seminars, I would grow as a writer so that I could do a good job for this person I admire. And that's what I want us to explore together today as we continue our sermon series, A King for All. If you're new with us here at Greenbelt Online, my name is Kevin, and I have the privilege of, of serving as the lead pastor here at Greenbelt. And again, if you are new, and maybe for those of you who are not so new, but you, you know, you aren't really aware of this, uh, we have a lot of social media that's available for you. Um, 
to really help you connect with us as a church family. See, social media, like we're not into social media just for social media's sake. Like we realize these are kind of crazy times that we're living in right now and how we connect with one another is difficult. It's challenging. Um, and so we've really put these tools and these resources together to help people connect to help people connect with God, to help people connect with one another. So, you know, you could follow us on YouTube, on, on Facebook, and we would love to be able to connect with you uh, through those tools. So you can head on over to those after the service and uh, subscribe to them, like them, and just kind of be a part of our community there. Because we believe that church isn't just about Sunday. It's not just about an hour and 15 minutes during a worship service, but it's how we do our lives together all week long. So we'd love to help you do that. So again, we're continuing our series in the Gospel of Luke, and what we've been doing, we started this, we're in uh, week four now of this series, and we're looking at Luke's Gospel. Um, And it was really on my heart to go back to one of the Gospels. The Gospels are the four books in the New Testament that describe the life, the teaching, and the ministry of Jesus while he was here on earth. And for me, going back to the Gospels, it's, it's going back to the basics of Christianity. It's going back to the, ba- the basics of our faith. Because we say, as the church today in the world, we say that we are the hands and feet of Jesus. Well, if you want to be the hands and feet of Jesus, it's really important to actually study what Jesus did. <laughs> it's actually very important to understand what Jesus taught. Because we want to do what he did. We want to teach what he taught and all of these things like that. And it's great to go back to the basics and open our eyes, open our ears, and more importantly, open our hearts to what God would say to us as we go through these books together. So, again, just a quick reminder, if you are um, maybe new or just to uh, refresh your memory, the Gospel of Luke was written by a man named Luke. Uh, We know from the the other writings of the Apostle Paul that Luke was a physician uh, who traveled with the Apostle Paul on his missionary journeys. And Paul, uh, sorry, Luke was very specific in his purpose for writing down this book, as well as writing the book of Acts, is he wrote these things and he tells us his reason for writing it in Luke chapter 1, verse 4. Right? He, he says he wrote this so that you may know the certainty of the things that you have been taught. That you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. You're being taught about the, the teachings of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus. And because we live in a world where doubt can creep into our lives, we, we live in a world where confusion can set in. And because, you know, the church has been around for a long time, it's also in our faith journey very easy for us to drift, to actually drift off of the mission of Jesus and turn the church into something we want instead of living out our faith through the church for the reasons Jesus wants. So that's why it's so important to know the certainty of the things that we've been taught. And so today we're going to continue in uh, Luke chapter 5. And just to kind of set up where we are, because I'm not, I'm not going through this series verse by verse, so if you are tracking along every week, you might be wondering why I jump ahead. It's just because I'm pulling out some of the key themes that I just felt were really the, the important ones to hit on. But uh, last week we, we saw how Jesus was rejected in his hometown of Nazareth. And so I'm going to skip a little bit, but what's happened after that event when Jesus was rejected, after he was rejected in Nazareth, he returned back to Capernaum. 
And once he got back to that town, he again was teaching in the synagogues. We still see that people are amazed at his authority. They're amazed at his teaching. Uh, in one account in his teaching time in a synagogue, there was a man who was possessed by a demon. Right? The demon recognizes Jesus as the Holy One of God, and Jesus cast the demon out. Uh, we see in Capernaum that Jesus heals many people, including Peter's mother-in-law. We see that Jesus begins to call people to follow him and to become his disciples. Uh, and we also see Jesus healing a paralyzed man. But there's something unique about that healing. Because not only did he heal this man of his paralysis, he also declared that his sins were forgiven. Now that statement just set off all the religious leaders, all the Pharisees that were kind of watching Jesus and monitoring what he was doing and checking out what he was teaching. Because no one on earth has the authority to forgive sin. That is the place for God and God alone. And now here's Jesus declaring that your sins have been forgiven. And then we kind of see here at the, at the here in the Luke chapter 5, there, um, it says here, it says that we have seen remarkable things today. We have seen remarkable things today. This is what Jesus was doing. Everything that he was doing, his teaching, his casting out of demons, his healing of the, the, the people who are sick, people who are paralyzed, that this is absolutely remarkable. And so I want to pick up at that point. And I'm going to read here from Luke chapter 5, and I'm going to be reading in verse 27. Now, I'm only going to read five verses today. We're just going to spend our time in five verses today because I think these five verses are so incredibly important for our life as a church. I think these five verses are so incredibly important for your life, for my life as followers of Jesus. And even though it's short, these five verses are incredibly life-changing. So let's read here. Luke chapter 5, starting in verse 27. So it says, After this, after they have seen all these remarkable things, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. And then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to, the set, to their sect complained to his disciples, complained to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You see, this um, sitting and eating and hanging out with tax collectors is a theme that Luke um, shows many, many times um, in his gospel. See, when Luke talks about tax collectors, he's reminding um, the reader 
of this gospel, of the type of people that Jesus connected with. See, all throughout Luke's gospel, he talks about tax collectors, and every single time tax collectors are talked about in the gospels, they are referred to as sinners. They're referred to as sinners. See, when you study the ancient world that Jesus lived in here in, in Israel, is these people, these tax collectors, were some of the most hated people in the entire nation. You see, they were Jewish people who had decided to work for the Roman government. You see, Rome came in and took over their land, made them become part of the Roman Empire, and then they would collect taxes from the people to, you know, basically pay for Rome's army, to pay for Caesar, you know, give money to Caesar, all of these things, right? And so these tax collectors were considered to be traitors. And their work, so they were despised, they were hated by their own people because of their work and their association with the Roman government, now, tax collectors, we know from studying kind of that world back then, uh, they generally obtained their post through a, a bidding system. They would become a tax collector because they were able to buy their way into the role. So it was people of influence, people who had some money already, were able to buy themselves this position of being a tax collector to make more money off of people. Right. Often tax collectors would make a huge profit off of the back of the people that they were taxing. Right. If the Romans required a hundred dollars for taxes, they would charge a hundred and fifty and they would keep the fifty. <laughs> Or they could charge whatever they wanted. And so they were despised. And so when the Jewish people refer to tax collectors, they are talking about the lowest of the low of sinners. The lowest of the low of the members of their society. They were complete and total outcasts. Now, you got to remember, when Jesus is on the scene here, the people of Israel have been waiting for their Messiah, waiting for their king to come for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. They were waiting for the Messiah to come to restore Israel to its place of prominence in the world, to free them from their captives, to give them back their glory as a nation, like it was back in the days of King David, when they were the conquerors, they were the ones who would have victory over their enemies. Right? They were desperate for this. And so the religious leaders, that's what they would be teaching the people of Israel, of keeping an eye open to be on the lookout for this coming Messiah, right? And so they had very specific ideas of what the Messiah would look like. They're looking for a king. They're looking for a conqueror. They're looking for someone, really, the religious people, they'd be looking for someone who would kind of promote them, Basically saying, wow, you've done such a great job kind of keeping the laws of God, keeping the people in check, making sure everything was happening according to the will and plans and teachings of God. So we're going to promote you to an even higher up position. Good job, faithful religious leader. That's what they're looking for. That's what they would expect from a Messiah. But then you see Jesus. 
not simply the king of Israel, but the king for all people, hanging out with sinners, hanging out with people that religious people consider to be outcasts. And Jesus says two powerful words to the outcasts. Jesus says two incredibly powerful words to the sinner. He says, follow me. And those two words are incredibly life-changing. Follow me. Two words are an invitation for Levi. His name is Matthew. Levi is just another name for Matthew. It's, it's an invitation to make a complete radical change in your life. Because the call to follow Jesus truly changes everything. For me personally, the calling of Matthew is probably one of the most impactful, profound, powerful stories in any of the Gospels. There's just something in my heart that clings to this story of the calling of Matthew. When I read just these simple five verses, it actually brings to mind a parable of Jesus that happens later on in the Gospel of Luke. And we're actually going to look at that parable in a couple of weeks. So I don't want to get too deep into that parable today. But this calling of Levi, the calling of Matthew, just so brings to mind this parable of Jesus, of when Jesus approaches Matthew at his at his tax collecting table. A number of years ago, there was a mini series that came out on, I think it was on the History Channel, um, called The Bible. And it was a kind of a, a, couple, a several week mini series. And they put a scene together of the, and they merged together the parable that Jesus taught and the calling of Matthew. And uh, so I just want to show that clip for you right now and just look at the power of the calling here of two simple words to follow me. They're all Jews. How can they live with themselves? Our own people working for Rome. These people make me sick. Collaborators. Let's move on. They're stinking vermin. You should keep your distance from them. Two men went to the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other one a tax collector. The Pharisee prayed, God, 
I thank you that I'm not like other men. Thieves. Adulterers. Or this tax collector. But the tax collector. Didn't even look up to heaven. He said. God. Have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. God bless the tax collector. Not the Pharisee. Anyone who praises himself will be humbled. And anyone who humbles himself will be praised. Matthew, come. to follow him. One has to wonder of the sins committed by his other followers. You see, the outcast the person completely rejected by the religious leaders is exactly who Jesus came for. He didn't come for the righteous. He didn't come for the the religious. He came for the outcast. And the reality is, is every single human being on the planet is an outcast. (laughs) When we compare ourselves to the holiness and to the majesty and the incredible love and just of of who God is, all of us are outcasts because none of us can earn God's love. None of us can earn God's favor. None of us were religious enough or had our doctrine good enough or had our lives perfect enough to please God perfectly. And the Bible teaches us that it's through faith and faith alone that God is pleased. And it's through faith and through faith alone that we are fully accepted into God's love. Not by what we do, but because of what Jesus did. See, And Matthew understood that. Levi understood that. When the tears are coming down his cheeks, when the Messiah is looking at him and saying, follow me. It's a call to acceptance. It's a call to be part of something greater than you. It's a call to be a part of the love and the majesty of the presence of God. And the reason these five, these five verses just so resonate with me is because I remember that day when Jesus came into my life and said, follow me. It changed everything. And sadly, 
life has a way of getting in the way. We get, we get busy. We, we get involved with things. We, we start kind of maturing in our faith and when we go on this journey and, and we forget how we were once the outcast. We forget that, um, Jesus's mission is all about calling the outcast to him. I think this past year has been, even though it was difficult, and even though I would never have prayed for this year, and even though it's been rough, in so many ways, I have to look at this past year as a blessing, especially as a church leader. Um, this, This message for me this week was really hard to write. I, I struggled with it and I was stuck and, and I, and I couldn't, I, I just wasn't hearing from God. Like, like it was just really hard to wrestle through this text. And I think one of the reasons it was so hard to wrestle through this is because this has just been a crazy year. But the blessing of this year is it forced us to take a good hard look at everything that we do. It forced us to take a good, hard look of how we do Sunday worship, of how we're connecting with one another through life groups, of how we're doing kids ministry, of how we do youth ministry, of how we do the offering, of how we do benevolence, of how we do missions, all of these things that we've just become so comfortable with over the last 50 years as a church family. (sighs) And we realize, and I don't know about you, but I really learned this year, the difference between going to church and being the church. It's very easy here in Canada to just go to church. It's a whole other thing to be the church. Why did I ask you to think of someone that you greatly admire asking you for a favor and what your response would be? The reason I ask you that is because I actually believe God is calling you for a favor. (laughs) That God has called the church to reach the outcasts. You see, sadly, church history, um, we don't, we're not always the shining example of connecting well with the outcast. There's so many things in the history of of the Christian church that shows we've drifted away. We got distracted by other things and we forgot that Jesus came for the sick. You know, how in our history, how we've treated the homeless, how we've treated people with mental illness, how we've treated teenage mothers, how we've treated people with, who struggle with substance addiction, how we've treated people from the LGBTQ plus community, how we've treated people of color, people of different ethnic backgrounds, their stuff in our history uh, that needs a whole lot of repentance and forgiveness on because we've forgotten that we were the outcast. 
We've forgotten that the heart of God is for the outcast, for people just like us. And so in this season of ministry, in your life right now, in your faith journey right now, kind of the big idea question that I've really been wrestling with this week, and because I've been wrestling with it, I want to share my burden with you today. And I'd like you to wrestle with this question as well as we look at these five simple little verses. The big idea is, does our faith in Jesus attract or repel the outcast? Does your faith in Jesus, does my faith in Jesus, does Greenbelt Church's faith in Jesus attract the outcast or repel them and keep them away? You see, that's what I think Luke, the physician, is getting at here when he's talking about Jesus saying it's not healthy people who need a doctor. But I've come for the sick. I've come for sinners. There's another passage in Luke's gospel where, um, you know, where, where Luke tells, tells another parable. And he says, when one sinner turns back to God, the angels rejoice more for that one of that one person than the hundred other people that are already a part of God's family doing good things. You see, I think that's the tension sometimes. We, we forget that the things that we do in the church to encourage each other and pray for one another and, and build one another up, those are all really, really good things, and they're important things, and we take those things as a church really seriously. But the reason we do those things is not to just stop there. It's so that you and I can answer God's call when he says, hey, Greenbelt Church, there's people in your neighborhood who society considers to be outcasts. There's people in your neighborhood who are hurting and are broken and are lost. Could you do me a favor? Could you go reach them, please? Because I love them. See, that's what God wants to do. And so, yeah, we get together, we grow together, we build one another up, we do all of those things, and that's a good thing, and God is pleased with that. But the angels party like crazy when we reach the one, when we reach the two. And you might be joining us today, maybe someone invited you to join us today and you're hearing this kind of idea of Jesus loving the outcast. And and maybe your experience, sadly, with the church has been, well, I haven't felt very loved because of my lifestyle, because of the way I dress, because of the way I act, because of my addictions, because of whatever it is for you. And and I just want to say if that has been your, your past experience, man, I am so sorry that that's been your experience. It breaks my heart that that has been your experience. But I want you to know that God loves you. And the church loves you. We love you. We're not always perfect. We're going to mess it up. But I hope you'll forgive us for those times when we've hurt you. Because we want to be ambassadors of God's love to you in your life. And I just want you to know that God loves you so much that Jesus died for you. 
You don't need to be perfect to earn God's love. God, God's son, Jesus, died for you so that your sin can be paid for, so you don't have to worry about where you stand with God. All you need to do is believe that Jesus rose from the dead. You just need to turn from those sins that are gripping your heart and turn your heart to God. And when you do that, the Bible teaches us that you become part of the family of God. You stop being an outcast and you become adopted into the family of the King of Kings. Because he is the king for all people. For all outcasts. And if you do that today, I would love if you pray like that today. If you turn to Jesus today, I would love if you would click the pop-up that shows up in the chat and just connect with us because we would love to come alongside you to help you grow in the love of God in your life. Right, and for the rest of us, I want you to spend some time this week in these five verses. Spend some time in these five verses with your life group this week, with your family this week, because I believe God is calling you to an amazing adventure of trusting him. I do. I firmly believe that. I believe God is calling you. See, because God has given you gifts. God has given you spiritual gifts. God has given you talents. God has given you abilities. God has given you a personality. God has given you resources. You are so blessed by God. And now God is calling and he's saying, will you use those blessings that I've given you to show one other person how much I love them? Talk about that in your group this week. Pray about that in your group this week. Because this is the heart of Jesus. And if we, as Jesus' followers, say we're trying to become like Jesus, then we should be working on a heart like Jesus' heart. That Jesus came for the sick. He came for the outcast. That he came not to worry about the righteous, but to call the sinners to himself. So I'm going to pray for you right now. I'm going to pray for, if you're in a life group, I'm going to pray for your life group. I'm going to pray for our church family today that God would just really get us on fire for this mission of just reaching one, just one, that you reach one and you, you reach one and you reach one and you reach one and all of us together as a church family will show God's incredible love to people who desperately need to know this love. So let me pray. Heavenly Father, I praise you for this simple, simple reminder of the heart and mission of Jesus. That we as a church family, we could have our doctrine perfect. We could have our ministries perfect. We could have how we do church, how we do baptism, how we do preaching, how we do leadership, how we teach the Bible, what version of the Bible we use. We could have all of those things absolutely perfect. And those are good things. And God, we know you are pleased when we kind of work on these things. But there is a different kind of party in heaven when one person turns to you. And so we want to be a church that's a part of that party. We want to see that party happen more and more and more each and every day. And so, God, you have called each of us 
You are calling us. You are calling us right now. And we have the choice to answer the call or not. We have the, the choice to reject the call or not. And so, God, I pray for all of us who are part of Greenbelt Church, whether we've been a part of it for 50 years or if we've only been a part of it for a week or two. For all of us who have put our faith in Jesus and call this church home, that call this church family, that call this church our house, I pray, God, that you would grow our hearts for the outcast, for the hurting, for the broken. Because when Levi answered the call to follow Jesus, all the other tax collectors were attracted to that. The tax collectors for a long time have been repelled by the religious leaders. And God, I don't want any of our lives to repel the outcast. Jesus in us, the Holy Spirit in us should attract every single outcast to draw closer to you, God. So God, use us this week, grow us this week, and guide us this week so that we could reach the one the one who's hurting, the one who's lonely, the one who's broken, the one who needs a touch of your love. Use us, God, this week to show that love to that one. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.